HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Akiko Teyama, a food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from our studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Uh, this show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily in the supermarket, but what is beyond the sushi? We hear dashi, wami, and izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, so I'll try to demystify it in this program with my good guests. And my guests today are the Saga Man. Um, a while ago, I, had a, I heard a rumor, and there are uh, four superheroes promoting Japanese sake with tremendous passion and knowledge. Then I got lucky to meet them at an event, so uh, here they are. In the studio, we have two Saga Men, Takuya Shimomura and uh, Peter Hotom. So today we'll find out who they are and what their mission is, sake breweries they closely work with, and much, much more. But quickly before we start, Japan Needs is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify and subscribe to Japan Needs. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, uh, if you have any ideas about topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. You can email us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org. And let's, let's now, now, let's start our conversation. Is the Sakimen. Hi, Takuya, Peter. Welcome to Japanese. Hi, uh, thank you for having us today. <laughs> great. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, it's a great start of the year. <laughs> um, so first of all, um, tell us about who you are. Um, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, my name is Takuya Shimomura, a.k.a. Sakeman Brew. I'm from Nada district in 
Hyogo, which is no, no, <coughs> known as the top sake producing region in Japan, I joined this sake exporting importing group 14 years ago. After working 10 years with original members, I became the U.S. director and vice president of Kuramoto U.S. Inc. in 2015. And that same year, I decided to move from Los Angeles to New York. I've always been a sportsman. I did kendo when I was a child until middle school and played basketball in high school and college in uh, D1 League. I started judo in my 30s and rugby a few years ago after I arrived in New York and still play both sports on a regular basis. Green. Right. It's just totally obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> explain how sporty you are. So. <laughs> right, Peter? Yeah, it's a little hard to tell over the radio, but I think in person, everyone who sees him realizes he's definitely into sports. Yeah, definitely. martial arts, and definitely. Athlete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the uh, the longest member of Sakeman, been here the longest, but I'm actually the newest. Uh, I just joined in June. Mm. Uh, my background is more, you know, I did kind of food marketing. Um, I studied Japanese in college. I mm. moved back and forth, did study abroads, lived there in Japan, and was actually doing a restaurant sales job in Tokyo. Wow. Well, like just about this time last year. Ah, so could you expand what you just said? It sounds <laughs> like a, it's worth a, a show. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, for the first time, I kind of went to Japan on a whim in college to study abroad. And, you know, I thought I've always been interested, and so I decided, okay, I'll go, and left a week later. And then kind of after that experience, I changed everything. I started studying Japanese. I started going to Japan at least once a year, wow. uh, studying abroad there. And then after working a little bit in food marketing in New York, I went and lived in Japan for about two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... And then, yeah, and through all that, you know, I did uh, wrestling in high school, I played rugby in college, um, and when I came back, of course, through the kind of sports connection, I met Takia. Mm. I met Blue through, uh, my brother was on the same rugby team as him. Oh, wow. So we got mm. introduced with the, the sports connection, and everything else made sense. Mm, then you came uh, second month. Green. Sakimai Green, Right, yes. okay. But, uh, so when you were in Japan, you went to college? I mean, to like exchange program? Yeah, yeah. I did uh, two different summers of uh, Japanese language school and then one kind of summer program in Tokyo also for about a month and a half. Mm. So I would leave New York and then go study in Japan over right. the summer. So how did you drink sake for summer in Japan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were actually talking about that today, you know, like our first sake experiences. and Okay. You know, I had sake for the first time in Japan, but not anywhere near the kind of sake I get to enjoy all the time now. Mm. You know, yeah, it's a very, <laughs> very different experience. Right. Yeah, yeah I have to say, I, I went to a uh, tasting by Takuya a couple of times, and the sake is very personal and super high quality. So it's yeah. not fair to compare with other Yeah, things. exactly. You know, something I got in the convenience store in Japan one time, you know, when I was in college with friends, is totally different from like the super you know, story involved, like really high quality premium sake that we have mm, now. Right. Although I have to say, I was surprised even in the Japanese convenience stores, I think they started to expand their promotion. Mm -hmm. So I was actually pleasantly surprised their quality improved a lot recently. 
So, but although um, the quality is getting higher, you don't see that kind of boutique sake that you get. You yeah, guys can yeah, carry. and especially our company is really focused on those, you know, boutique sake right. breweries. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about it later. Fully yeah. talk about it later. <laughs> um, so, um, but you said Peter, uh, you are in the food business. What, what kind of food? I worked for like a big corporate kind of hospitality company and I did uh, food marketing with them. So very different than Mm. what we're doing now. Right. But the the, the core. Yeah, exactly. It's all kind of been, you know, food adjacent sales marketing kind Mm -hmm. of jobs. So that's what's brought me here. Because I think sake should be more... Um, fully distributed among consumers mm-hmm. like other food items. So I think someone like you is very important. Yeah, and I think it's good too now, you know, having kind of a background in not Japanese-specific food and marketing, but ways to talk about it that makes sense to people who don't know anything about sake mm. or Japanese food. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I think... I think most Japanese people never thought of that logics or how it's made and details. Mm-hmm. But I think in English, it's better, sometimes more logically explained. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, everyone here is very focused on the process and everyone's home brewing beer now and knows everything about wine. So they want those kind of details in sake. So right. I'm curious to know how many people started to homebrew sake. I think it's possible, right? It's, I've seen, you know, like... Traveling around with this job, working with some of our restaurants, you know, being pulled aside, the chef showing me kind of secret project they have in the back of the kitchen, mm. trying to make their own sake. So. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Hey, maybe you can tell me about that. I'm going <laughs> to feature that kind of chef. <laughs> right. But uh, so, Takuya, you, yes. how did you get into sake, by the way? Hmm. I think the, uh, the when I was little... <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was uh, into it. Uh, uh, I was, was candle player, and then always the candle sensei, you know, the uh, big, big senseis. Mm. I always give them sake. It's oh. called kenbishi. It's from the nada. Mm. That's uh, I think my uh, like first sake experience. The giving sake to big sensei. Mm. Sake, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's authentic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But when did you taste first time? Trick question. It's okay. Yeah. Like oh, French people start drinking wine at the age of eight or something. Right, right. So, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Culturally important, so, mm-hmm. you know. Right. I mean, especially, I'm, I'm not kidding, just kidding, but uh, Nada mm-hmm. is such a famous place to produce sake. Yeah, that's, uh, we call it. The Napa Valley of, you know, the, the sake version of the Napa Valley, the mm. Nada district. It's mm. uh, more, yeah, the sake producers there. Yeah, mm-hmm. do you know how many producers are there? I am not sure, include all, uh, you know, the uh, big brewers plus the small breweries. I am not quite sure. Mm. But then, uh, yeah, the, uh, where I grew up, we see everywhere. Right, because mm-hmm. it's so close to Kyoto and mm-hmm. used to mm-hmm. give great sake to emperors. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard that Nada's water is so good. Like a little harder sake, right? Yeah, the nada, this old sake from uh, the sake from nada, we call it like a otoko sake, it's mm. more like a masculine type sake, mm, the and structure, the, mm-hmm. yeah. and then the sake from the uh, uh, Kyoto is more like a softer, like a feminine mm. style sake, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's uh, well, it's a little bit technical, but is this based on the 
mineral contents of water. Right. Yeah. The 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 very famous Miyamizu. It's a hard water. Mm. So it makes the uh, little drier side sake. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that's definitely how Nara got so famous mm. as a sake center because of that Miyamizu, that kind of sacred temple water, you know, mm. revered for making excellent sake. And it does come down to the mineral content, but all the factors just happen to be right right mm. in that area, right. and that's why. You know, they didn't realize it originally, but but why so many sake breweries started kind of congregating there and popping up there. Hmm, interesting, right? And the Mia means the shrine, mm-hmm. so shrine water. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I, I think compared to somewhere like Niigata, the water is much softer. Like, I, it's probably as even the heart of Kyoto mm-hmm. and Kobe area, like. I think it's about 4.5 or something in uh, Kansai, Kyoto, so that area. Mm-hmm. And then up north, it's much uh, softer. So. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which definitely results in, you know, a different style traditionally. But even them, you know, they're kind of making a really good effort for Niigata style and why that's good. And, you know, mm. everyone has their strong points now. Right. Well, that's the thing, right? But it's such a regional um, local flavor, like very terroir based. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Japanese sake. Right. So you have all those different regions sake. So we'll discuss all the mm-hmm. breweries later. Yeah, but who, who are two other sake men? Are they all athletic people? people? Y- yes, the uh, we uh, we all athletic people. <laughs> I only hire the athletic people. <laughs> <laughs> why, why is that? Is there any reason for that? Yeah, um, one of Sakeman's rule is to work hard, train hard, and pray hard. Mm. So I only hire athletic persons. Doesn't have to be an international level athlete, but those who care about their own health is very important for me. Mm. Yeah, the, um, plus, because of the serving sake, representing sake industry, we always want to be uh, fit when we to the customers right the good energy mm-hmm. right awesome and the so you wear uh wrestling masks i wish our listeners could see it but <laughs> um so what's the whose idea was is it and why wrestling masks yeah it's uh several years ago the i was the imp- in, inspired by mr shichida one of our brewery owners who is a big fan of pro wrestling. Mm. He brought his original mask <laughs> to a trade show <laughs> in Los Angeles and had me wear the mask, and I was so impressed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. At the uh, same time, all people in the venue look at me with big smile and seems so fun. So I thought sake combined with mask have special power. Mm. He didn't wear it himself, but to wear it, that's even better. <laughs> yep. Wow, cool. So that's why. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then uh, yeah, talk about uh, this mask. Actually, the uh, um, we were we were at the beginning we were actually wearing the random mask, but after a few years, we designed our own mask and brought the design to a custom luchador shop in Tokyo. Oh wow where they make professional masks by hand. So these masks are also super superior quality and handcrafted art. Mm. The concept is similar to the sake we carry. Right. Mm. I heard it costs like $300 per mask. <laughs> yeah, the first piece was $250, so we need to spend 
a grand for you know, for 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 uh, for for, men, for uh, second man. Yeah, mm, I think yeah. it's totally worth it. <laughs> but totally, yeah, you know, important to our image. And actually, uh, second man White on the West Coast, he was the one who designed oh, the wow. mask. Also, interesting. Yeah, huh. yeah, he has so much talent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, in the art and. Uh, Athletic yeah, too. yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. so maybe next time you can bring him too. All right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, hopefully. And yeah. we always talk about too that you know that it's a Mexican wrestling mask, but we're using it for Japanese sake. Mm. But that's kind of you know a good way too to open people's eyes because we want to make sure that people know it's not just sake and Japanese food, but it's more u- universal than that. Mm. So if they all of a sudden get the idea of you know Mexican wrestling. With sake, like, that kind of starts to open the door a little bit. Like, okay, what else can go with sake? Like, (laughs) what else can we do here? Mm. Well, I think uh, that's totally the direction, right? It used to be, I think, sake brewers tend to just preserve Mm -hmm. the traditional aspects of sake. But then, because of the demand of outside Japan, the declining demand in Japan, they have to change. Yeah, they have to adapt a little bit. Mm. So... Well, you really, I, I've never seen anybody like <laughs> you guys. That's really a creative, <laughs> progressive way to promote sake. And I'm so proud. And uh, for listeners, uh, if, if you're interested in how they look, they're on the show page, the beautiful full sake man in judo outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Always gets a good reaction from people when they see us. Right? You know? Yeah. So, okay. Um, so let's see. So you, you, you work for Kamoto. Kramoto US. So mm-hmm. what's what's your company's concept? Right, yeah. The the Kramoto US Inc. is the, uh, the, the, the where we belong to and, and it's an importer based in California and New York. We only import from artisan craft sake breweries all over Japan. Mm. We're not just selling sake but bringing an experience and then service through Sakeman projects. Mm. So you do mm. seminars or some professional? Yes, we do a lot of, we provide a lot of seminars and then sake training and sake events, all different type of sake events. Mm. So, so the training means restaurant and retail stores training? Yeah, and especially for, you know, anyone who follows our Instagram page definitely sees it, but uh, we'll go to restaurants and kind of sit down, whatever kind of chance we can get. If we can get the whole staff on uh, Saturday morning to come and we can explain how sake is made, mm. how sake can be enjoyed, how we can get more people to try sake, how we can pair it with food. Mm. And, you know, or if we go in and they only have time pre shift meeting at a restaurant, everyone's a little crazy and we give them five minutes. But little by little, you know, trying to help everyone to kind of figure out what sake is and how we can use it more. Mm, right, because I think they're very important. They're kind of ambassadors, right, mm-hmm. to distribute mm-hmm. the knowledge to right, diners. Right. right, and, you know, our company, Kuramoto US, is an importing company, but Sakeman, our project, our, you know, team is definitely there to help each kind of step along the way mm. to understand and enjoy sake as best as possible. Right. So, you know, the distributor to the restaurant or the uh, wine shop, how we can help them get the best, you know, experience out of our product or 
than the restaurant to the customer also. Mm, right. So uh, out of uh, all those restaurants, are they mostly Japanese restaurants right now? I would say mostly Japanese, but we're starting more and more to see kind of branching out mm. and kind of more proliferation sake going more places, not mm. just with Japanese food. Right. Yeah, seafood restaurants and then the, the hotels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're getting more, you know, high-end hotels with French restaurants that really fancy a whole different price range or, you know, more dive bar places. We have mm. oyster bars in New York, definitely spreading out from your usual izakaya. Mm. I had an opportunity to have, a, you know, collaboration dinner between a Japan and Italian chefs. And then they, they did parallel pairings. Mm-hmm. Each course has sake and wine. And some of them, definitely for Italians, sake was better. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be vice, vice versa. Right, right. Japanese, you never know. It, right. it can go both ways. But, you know, we have one uh, brewer who's kind of working on a new experimental sake project. But his, you know, goal is, one of his suggestions is uh, balsamic vinaigrette with mozzarella and tomato, like very classic mm. Italian food, but his sake goes with that. Oh, wow. Interesting. Because I think uh, richness and creaminess mm-hmm. of the mouthfeel of sake and also it's not overly acidic. Right. Aspect can go even probably more with food in general. Right, right. We always say, you know, with wine, there's very specific pairings and there's Good and bad pairings, but sake, we like to say there's good and perfect pairings. Right, it's because more. Because it's so much more versatile and goes with so many more food elements and different types of food. Right, and uh, forgiving, mm-hmm, I think. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Right. I think uh, the umami in wine is so much less than sake. Right. Because of all those amino acid. Right, it's got much higher amino acid content. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the first time you really drink a sake that's like a nice junmai with a lot of umami power, and you feel it kind of grip your mouth in that really umami spot in the mm. back of your jaw, and like you can really have that experience. You're making me hungry yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so that's your company. So what kind of event do you work with or on when you do? Right, The uh, we have a couple of the annual, the big events. The uh, One of them is the, uh, we provide the food pairing and seminar event to wine and food society of Japan, uh, I mean, of New York. <laughs> New York. And then uh, one year we uh, provide this event at University Club. Next year was at uh, the Nippon, Nippon Club. Club mm-hmm. yeah. mm, so it's for mm-hmm. um, American consumers mostly? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm, nice. And then uh, judo. Yeah, yeah, the uh, New York <laughs> Open Judo Tournament, we help sponsor that dinner and the banquet afterwards. Mm. Um, and, you know, we don't do those large, you know, really upscale events, but we also do promotions at ramen stores in the huh. city. Um, I've done small, you know, sushi restaurants in Florida. In L.A., we have lots of smaller scale things. We have kind of any, mm. any buyer, any consumer range we've I done. But yeah. I think it's important, mm-hmm. right? You never know where it starts. Mm-hmm. You know, someone got interested, it's word of mouth. Or any, anything, I started to see more personal experience rather than having big distributor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we want to show, you know, we can do an event and we can have, you know, over $200 for a pairing dinner and have that kind of very unique luxury experience. But we want to show people that 
maybe can't do that every day and they can only afford to try a $7 glass of sake. Mm. We want to show them that it's okay. It's for you too. Right. Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah. So the, I also heard your parent company, uh, it's a JCTO. Yeah. It's called JCTO Japan. What is it? I I think it's a very, um, amazing, cool, (laughs) cool company. Yeah. Actually the, um, parent, the, the, JCTO is parent company of Kuramoto US, and they are our exporting company located in Tokyo. And myself plus five breweries owners are both members of JCTO. Mm. So these five breweries kind of started this group and then uh, create the business in Tokyo and US. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I, I heard that they had some... Uh sense of um i don't know kind of like a fear that sake industry is going to go down so that the small sake breweries started to gather and then do some uh, collaborative efforts right yeah they started with the uh, actually originally started in 23 years ago and uh yeah they started uh 23 years ago and trying to right think about the future and because you know, we've seen it more and more rapidly now, but there's not as much sake drinking in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so they want to kind of think about outside of Japan, where else can we send sake and where else can we kind of grow sake? Nice. And they, you know, we had kind of a hot sake, kind of futsushu, a little more table wine grade sake in the U.S. But they wanted to be able to kind of send their premium sake, the ginjo style sakes, and so the way they figured they could do that is if they all came together mm. and started refrigerated shipping. Mm. And so that's really our, those original breweries coming together is where the refrigerated shipping started. Mm, okay. And being able to get, you know, the uh, more premium grades and not just hot sake in America. <laughs> and I think, you know, they did at the 20th anniversary, they did uh, an interview, some of the original founding members and... They were saying they loved uh, that moment when they could see a news headline that said cold sake is hot. Mm. And that was a big moment for them of, you know, being able to bring that product to America. Right. Yeah, right. It's like uh, the history of sake in this country started so bad. Yeah. It's so hard to eliminate that image. Yeah. And, right. you know, now it's, I think, definitely getting better, but still working past that a little bit of people's first impression, things they heard mm-hmm. so long ago and... Yeah, right? We always say cold sake is only just barely old enough to drink now. Mm, right. And uh, I also found that on uh, your, the parent company, JCTO's uh, website, um, they say uh, the corporate philosophy of having the breweries lead the business. So what does it mean? So, of course, you know, as we mentioned, the brewery owners are the board members of the company. So in that literal sense, they are the mm. leaders. But... Definitely, you know, philosophically so, their ideas, their philosophies at the breweries. You know, we aren't just importing a beverage. It's not just their sake, but it's also their breweries and Mm. their ideas, their culture that we want to bring over. And so, you know, those ideas kind of leading the way of the company. Mm. Right. Wow. So I don't think there are many organizations like that. Mm. Yeah. You know, we... You know, we are sake importers, we bring in this product, but we really like to, you know, not make it about 
a drink, but about a cultural experience and spreading, you know, this kind of love for Japan, for sake, for this culture、mm. through this. Right. I love that. <laughs> um, okay, so how many uh, uh, brewers do you work with right now? Currently, we have 20 breweries、mm. from the all over Japan. And yeah, actually, the,、uh, this five board member breweries plus four brewers, as the, we are working together since 23 years ago. And plus,、uh, we add 11 breweries. Yeah, year after year.、Mm. Mm. Oh, wow.、Mm. So, well, it sounds like because you're adding breweries, it's expanding. And also, Weary wants to join because it's such a successful business model.、Mm. I think. <laughs> yeah, we, but then we kind of make our limit. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we want to be able to give. Our breweries as much attention as possible, and we don't want to kind of overburden ourselves. We are、mm-hmm. the, the four sake men, so there's not a <laughs> huge amount that you know we can do. And to be able to do up to the level that we want,、right. we have to be a little selective、mm. with you know who we can work with, right? Because、uh, per brewery, maybe you have like three, four labels, that means yes, and then、uh, all different sizes total. Then,、uh, actually, 2018, last year, we sold 128 different. Sake, I mean, items、wow. include different size, different level.、Right. Yeah, so, <laughs> with four sake men, it's, I think, for right now, I think it's a good. Yeah, good, good <laughs> it's already a lot、yeah. to remember <laughs> about you know,、yeah. each bottle. Right. Okay, so、uh, I'm curious,、uh, maybe you can give,、uh, give us some examples of、uh, you know, great boutique、uh, sake breweries. Yeah, so、uh, let's、uh, pick. Three breweries.、Mm-hmm. So,、uh, one is Yamagata Honten.、Mm. It's actually、uh, one of the oldest the,、uh, the brewery we are、uh, doing business with.、Mm. It's in the Yamagata?、Picture? Yeah, actually, Yamagata Honten, but、okay. then、uh, located、oh, in the, the、uh, yeah, Shunan、mm. Yamaguchi. <laughs> Everyone has that problem. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they are、uh, established in 1875. And、uh, actually, the, this, the brewery owner, Mr. Yamagata, is the president of Kuramoto US and the JCTO organizations.、Mm. And、mm. then this is one of the, the smallest breweries we have on the,、uh, our portfolio. It's only seven people、uh, working in this brewery.、Mm. Yeah, but still making lots of good sake. And, you know, he's obviously very important to our company, but their brewery is really great. They have Seven people, pretty small scale, but they're really amazing. They're very,、um, you know, keeping up with the trends now. They're very local, organic, kind of focused.、Mm. Isn't it the trend that, you know, like globally, local sustainable mindset, everything started to be from,、uh, you know, farm to table、mm-hmm. or seed to table. So they grow rice or the local products. Yeah, yeah. I mean, originally, the way kind of sake industry was set up in Japan was that the brewery owners weren't allowed to own the rice fields、mm. because they didn't want to give anyone too much control over one area.、Mm. But out of that, there's, you know, now things have changed a little bit, but it creates a lot of partnerships in the community instead, then,、mm. that the brewery owners will work really closely with the farmers nice. and make nice partnerships. And, you know, in.、Uh, Yamagata Honten, they、uh, have one bottle, one there, Jumai Daiginjo, called Kaori Tsuru.、Mm. 
and they are really focused on the rice for that because on the label the tsuru in that name means crane mm. and it's kind of all about this crane that migrates from russia during the winter oh wow right and it gets too cold there so they all migrate over to yamaguchi and in order to protect those cranes while they're there for the season they make sure they have all organic practices for their rice nice wow. so it's you know all about Kind of local, even down to the birds, the community. Mm, wow. And, uh, well, I heard this, uh, the Yamagata Hunten, um, their ancestors are samurai family. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> so cool. I know. I think that's really cool. And I know, like, I think because I'm the American in the group, I'm the one who gets really excited about that. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, that's just, <laughs> you know, that's, that's normal. That's part of the history. But... I think it's so cool that, right, their family history is, you know, a samurai family, and that's how they started their brewery. Mm. It's kind of that was the, the seed money when the era was changing. That's how they got into the business. Mm. Right. Okay, so, um, yeah, the, then they won a lot of um, um, prizes in International Wine Challenge and uh, International Sake Challenge. So, really, like, up and coming. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. In the last year, it just happened the uh, what, what was that? Uh, the uh, the Grand Prix in the U.S. held in California. They just got the, I think, I think around four hundred sixty bottles submitted. They were number one. Oh wow! For their Daiginjo. Mm, yeah. Wow. Yeah, really impressive. And um, they had just changed the master brewer, the Toji, a few years ago. And actually, he got married to the owner's daughter. Oh. So now, <laughs> really, this is very rare, though. Family <laughs> business. <laughs> yeah. Right. So he cannot fail. Yeah, exactly. He's got to live up. Right. So that's the key for right. success. Mm-hmm. All right. So what, what else, Sam? Yeah. Um, one more brewery is Suehiro uh, Shuzo from Aizu Wakamatsu, Fukushima. Yeah, they are pretty old brewery as well. They established in 1850, and they are well known for Yamahai style sake. Mm. So, what's Yamahai? Yeah. So, you know, everything we see now is a production method where to kind of start the fermentation, they need to add lactic acid mm, to and keep it uh, sanitary. Yeah, and to keep the yeast alive because, mm-hmm. you know, we want the yeast to be able to make the alcohol. Mm-hmm. So we want to kind of sterilize and keep any other bacteria out and keep those yeast really healthy. Mm. So we use lactic acid with sake. Mm. And the modern method now is we kind of take a vial of it and add it straight in. But as you might imagine, a few hundred years ago, that wasn't really possible. Mm. So there used to be the kind of what we call now the original style called kimoto is if you see any depictions of sake making guys standing around the tank stirring it with these long wooden mm-hmm. poles and that's called yamaoroshi so right. when they're doing that process so because they, they're waiting for the lactic acid in the air yeah to work. <laughs> right they're waiting for the lactic acid bacteria in the air to grab onto the rice <laughs> And then they start their thing, start making the acid, and then the um, yeast can thrive. And then, so it's very time-consuming, very yeah. labor-consuming. They have to mash everything up. And, and then, you know, they did some kind of research um, 
and it was such this big production process they had to chant songs to keep in rhythm had to be done exactly right for all of the mixing and then they did some research and thought well maybe we don't have to do all of this mm. and instead of stirring constantly which you know continuously for hours and hours with so many people involved very tiring um, they thought they could stir it you know once or twice and just leave it leave mm. it alone Mm. And so, where before the Kimoto is uh, Yamaroshi, then they, this new method stopping it, the Haishi, is Yamaroshi Haishi, mm. which we just condensed to Yamahai. Right. Mm. So, that method saved so much kind of labor, so much time, made it so much easier to make the sake. Right. And also, I think uh, technologically, they're more like stronger, you know, sugar producing. Yeah, Koji yeah. I mean, right, there's lots of factors that came right. into it that made it possible. Mm. But this happened about 100 years ago. Mm. They That's s- pretty recent. Pretty recent, yeah. <laughs> they say about 1909, and this brewery is the one who really started it. Oh, wow. So they're kind of the, the pioneer of this method mm. and really using it. And, you know, so today we have their Yamaha that they still make that same way oh, from wow. 100 years ago, and it's... Amazing. I'm sure. So many Toji worshipped them when I, they, they interested. Oh, we can just yeah, <laughs> relax exactly. a little yeah. bit. Yeah, wow, cool. Um, yeah, so the, and I, I heard they have their own East. Yes. Right? Which is unusual. Yeah, you don't see it too often. I mean, yeast is important to sake because that's kind of where we get a lot of the aromas from and can change the flavor a little bit. But, um, you know, very important to the whole process. Gives us the alcohol, which a few people are fans of, the alcohol and sake. Mm. And, um, you know, they, yeah, they've experimented and they've grown their own yeast. They've cultivated their own yeast. And we actually have some other breweries that use the Suihiro yeast also. Mm, wow. Yeah, one of the interesting things about Japanese uh, sake making, people share yeast. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of like a liberal. They share rice, yeast, mm-hmm. and koji. It's kind yeah. of a communal. I yeah, guess. exactly. I mean, there's lots of organizations about regulating everything, about regulating rice, yeast, about, you know, everything. Um, and making it, there's lots of push now, making it special for one prefecture over another, mm-hmm. kind of our strengths. And, you know, this is ours, and this is the Yamaguchi yeast. But at the same time, if you want to use it, no problem. Mm, right. So there's a lot of room to create something as traditional as new things. Right, right. right. Still having that kind of pride and, you know, the originality, but being able to share it also. Mm, right. So I understand that Suihiro uh, won a lot of prizes, but, uh, you know, time is a little pressing. So maybe another brewery mm-hmm. you can talk about? Yeah, so the actually... The Tenzan Shuzo from Ogi Saga Prefecture in Kyushu, established in 1861. Do you want to talk about it this way? Yeah, so um, Tenzan Brewery, yeah, which if anyone has seen Shichira Sake, mm. this is from Tenzan Brewery. Um, that's kind of the label that they use in the States, and also the name of the family is Shichira. Mm which is amazing, amazing sake, especially for food pairing, for, um, you know, a little heavier flavors. He had 
a article in the New York Times actually a few years ago mm. about kind of we always say like he's our cheeseburger sake. The article was about you know fatty red meats bringing sake to the West and sake that can really go with the you know American palate mm. flavors that we're used to. Right. So he's a new generation of sake brewers. I think which is I think it's really hopeful. Yeah, yeah. He's been leading a lot of organizations. He's very involved with, um, you know, national sake associations. And he's been doing a lot of international work also. He, you know, goes to contests in Paris. He does lots in the U.S. Mm. He was just at a competition recently in China that was, you know, kind of first of its kind. But China's been really exploding as a sake market lately. Mm. And he's, you know, wherever sake is up and coming, we always see him attached. Right. Yeah, I think, uh, well, even as a Japanese individual, it's fascinating to see more Western food paired with sake. And uh, I'm really affirming, wow, there's no limit. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, so let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll discuss uh, what type of sake people are drinking right now. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese ship knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Coin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the Welsh natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Coin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table, so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. Do you love this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. We have over 35,000 shows in our online library. My name is Jennifer Leutzi, and I'm the host of Tech Bytes, where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. You can find Tech Bytes wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese podcast live from our studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, I'm your host, Kukatema, and my guests today are uh, the sake men, the superheroes who are trying to save the future of Japanese sake culture. Uh, so, welcome back, Peter and Takuya. So, um, so I heard that uh, um, your food, uh, sake is all temperature controlled and high mm-hmm. quality. And, um, well, you know, assuming you can have a good sake in this country like yours, what sake are becoming popular, in your opinion? I mean, I, I understand you don't see the whole market, <laughs> but... 
Yeah, we have, you know, little glimpses of all over. We do import and, you know, our sake is drank kind of all over the country. But, you know, definitely changing a lot, right? You've been working for mm -hmm. 13 years. 14. This 14? is 14th year. 14th yeah, year, yeah, yeah. Hmm. But then... Uh, Last year, though, like uh, let's say from our portfolio, it's a little bit of the everything the, we sold pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like uh, good Junmai, like a heavy style Junmai to light Ginjo, even like Yuzu, like uh, infu the Yuzu infused sake. Mm -hmm. Those are still very popular too. Mm. So, yeah, we covered pretty much every. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I think, you know, like we were talking about before. You know, it was really hot sake focused in the U.S. And definitely now we see more and more people branching out to all different kinds of sake and, mm -hmm. you know, drinking kind of everything. And even, you know, especially in New York, there's a really kind of advanced sake culture, but looking for sake fit to foods and fit to an experience, not just thinking, okay, any sake is okay. Mm, right. So do you see? Um, sake is still drunk in uh, Japanese restaurants mainly and then people outside are not so you know interested or still limited in terms of occasions yeah I think you know still mostly Japanese restaurants um, but well, like we mentioned before they're starting to branch out little by little and that's definitely one of our goals is to kind of open people's eyes you know mm. catch them off guard a little bit with the masks on and Show them it's you don't have to be just in, in izakaya, just having sushi right. to have sake. Mm. Yeah. Right. Oh, I really hope that just like wine, everybody has sake bottle in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. my dream. Yeah, actually. and you know, I've talked to a lot of kind of sake industry people, been around a long time, and you know, everyone says like, I can't wait. Maybe five years from now, like everyone will know the word ginjo. Mm. Like that's kind of a big goal. Right. Yeah. Well, I think uh, a couple of years ago, I, I kept still hearing people tend to start with nigori yeah. because it's kind of milky, approachable, sweeter style of sake. And uh, like we talked about the Yamaha, but yeah. I started to hear Yamaha is more kind of, it's not funky itself, but it's more kind of personal, Definitely stronger. more personal, right? Like we talked about before, you know, the, the current method the modern method is adding lactic acid straight in mm. but when you let that lactic acid bacteria do its work that flavor kind of comes through in the end product and you get a more kind of we always say gamey kind of lactic mm. flavor to it right yeah yeah that would demand good food too oh yeah right. yeah but you know like a nice kind of just warmed yamaha and like a just warmed French creamy cheese, mm. like a triple cream brie or oh, like yeah. fermier or something like that with like a lot of that lactic taste to it. That kind of funkiness that you get with those stinky French cheeses mm. are like perfect matches for Yamaha. Right. And also cheese on the sake in general tend yeah. to match very well. Yeah, that umami factor that, you know, we were talking about before really comes out in sake. And when you have sake and... Um, umami heavy food like that side by side they just enhance each other so much mm, right so um so how do you predict a direction of sake like say in three five years do you think people are going to be more kind of like um you know geeky about sake or we definitely hope so <laughs> you mm. know and you know always 
it seems to be the case for maybe 80%, 85% of people that a lot of starting out drinkers go towards lighter stuff that's, you know, a little easier on the palate, uh, maybe a little sweeter sometimes. And then as they get more experience, get maybe a little more bold in their choices, start going for Junmai, a little heavier items. Mm. And so I think, you know, hopefully that's the case. People branch out, try more kinds, and we see sake in general of all kinds kind of going up in popularity. Mm. I really hope so. Because, um, you know, there's in 1970s, there are about like 400 Oh, four, 4,500 sake breweries, something mm-hmm. like that. It's now operating sake breweries only under around 1,000. Yeah. So, and uh, that there's a generational succession issues. Right, right. So I, I have a strong feeling. How can we support them? Because otherwise they're going to be gone. So. Yeah, and I don't think they'll ever, you know, disappear. But I think maybe the way... We see sake, this way we receive sake will be a little different as they kind of adapt to meet that challenge. Mm, okay. So like a Shida-san, new generation. Right, right. To Doing, you know, more kind of heavier styles that will pair with, you know, more international cuisines and not that other sake doesn't, but really aimed with that goal in mind. Mm, right. So as sake man, what's your mission? <laughs> hmm. The mission, the mission is sake to the world. Mm. This is our motto, or that this is our goal, mm. and also making people happy through sake. That is our, yeah, big, yeah, thing. Our mm-hmm. passion, mm-hmm. Mm. right? Um, because you you guys do I deal with such a family oriented breweries, and I think stories mm-hmm. really indicates how their history and the pride creates good sake and whatever I hear from uh, Takeda so far what kind of sake in the background I'm like oh my god this is such a precious thing and it's yeah. so, I'm so lucky to be able to <laughs> have it through my body Yeah. and then probably it's going to be somewhere in my mind too so yeah that's a very good feeling mm-hmm. yeah and you know our mission is sake to the world and you know we all work really closely you know, with people all over the U.S., but really kind of supporting each other to make that happen. That's, you know, goes back to that. We're all kind of athletes, you know, sporty types is we like to have that kind of team chemistry that it's not just, you know, a sales team, but kind of the sports team Mm. atmosphere and the way we can rely on each other and kind of have that energy going out and promoting this message. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So, but do you practice together? Oh, yeah. yeah, we train together. Yeah. Nice. Every time we see each other, <laughs> we were in, you know, L.A. right before Christmas, kind of end of year, um, getting the company together to have an official, you know, uh, dinner, celebrating the end of the year. And we had a judo tournament. Nice. <laughs> and we celebrate with the sake afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so I heard that, the Peter, you have a big plan coming up. Yes. Yeah, so I'm leaving in just about two weeks uh, for maybe six weeks in Japan. And I'm really excited. I'll be getting to go travel around our breweries Mm -hmm. and get lots of good hands-on experience actually working and making sake 
at about eight different breweries oh, in wow. Japan. Because it's a season, right? Yeah. Right now. Yeah. They always kind of make sake. They operate in the cold months since mm-hmm. you need it to be really cold in the brewery uh, for all those, you know, particular chemical living reactions we were talking about with the yeast and mm-hmm. bacteria and everything um, needs to be cold. So winter is the season. So I will be going and busy working in all over Japan in these breweries. Well, because you, you're so athletic and strong, you're going to be very useful I'm, too. Yeah, yeah. I'll be busy, but right. They've, you know, been watching our Instagram, seeing us doing judo, so they're getting ready too. Right. Okay, okay put him to work. Right. Wow. So the, the season-wise, um, it starts around November through March. Is that the production mm-hmm. season? Yeah, and that's, you know, obviously now with technology evolving too, that's not always the case for everyone. We have one of our smallest breweries, actually. They mm-hmm. have three people working in the brewery with uh, two part-time, just high school graduates, just finished a kind of high school vocational program. So total five people, and um, they have a really small facility, but they actually refrigerated their whole brewery mm. so they can make sake all year round. Right. Yeah, even I heard still, though, even if you're temperature controlled, um, you cannot make the same as like a summer and winter because I heard about one brewery. They are forced just to make money and keep up with the production. Mm-hmm. They had to start making in the summer and everything all equal. Just like it didn't come out in the first year. So, yeah, yeah I think such a, you know, biologically, it's a, such a complex product. It's a very complex. Everything is so, you know, when we talk about the ingredients, we're talking if it's you know yamaha kimoto there's the lactic acid bacteria we have the yeast which is alive we have the koji which is a living organism everything you know needs its own temperature its mm. own you know size and situation and food and everything needs to be babied in its own way right yeah such a we are such a lucky consumer situation yeah, exactly I've... you know you guys don't worry about it we'll take care of all of that <laughs> you just enjoy the end product right yeah, great. So uh, where can we find you online? Any update? Yes, the, uh, we can uh, always see what the Instagrams and mm. then the Facebook and plus the, the website we're working on. Yeah, we have a new website coming out soon, which is going to be amazing. Have all of our uh, social media linked, have all of our project, uh, you know, events coming up, all of our products to flip through and that's going to be sake to the world.com okay and that should be live very soon but for now we have our social media at go sake man go sake man yes okay sake man or sake man sake man okay yeah cool all right so thank you for joining us today and uh, peter you can come back maybe to talk about your 66 weeks experience. Yeah, yeah I would love to. Tra- right. After a training session? Yeah, yeah. Intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. After carrying rice bags for the next 40 days. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. All right. So, yeah, so thank you so much. All right. Thank, thank you for you. having us. Thank you. So, um, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org or kikotema.com. Japan Needs is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer today is um, uh, Matt Patterson, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.